Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. If you're here in person and online, um, and it is great to open up God's word together. And as we turn to God's word this morning, I want to ask you a simple question: Do you own a Bible? Right? Do you have your own Bible? Now, I know we live in different times, so I'm not asking you if you have a phone or if you have a Bible app on your phone. You know, I'm asking if you have a printed, bound Bible that you can carry in and hold. You know, the Bible is the most read, most sold, most popular book in all of history, right? And there's no question, it's far and away um, the most popular book Nothing comes close. But I was curious to figure out what, what is next, right? What's, what's sold after the Bible? I think second on the list is either the Quran or quotations from the works of Mao Zedong, right? It depends on what list you look at. Anyone want to guess what's fourth on the list? Harry Potter, good one. That's right. <laughs> the fourth most sold right, book, or I guess book series, in all of history is the Harry Potter series. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's, what's this world coming to? <laughs> um, yeah, the Bible's historical impact on mankind okay, is undeniable. The impact it's had on life and culture and the history of humanity it is undeniable. But it has been, as far as impact on our culture and our society today, in decline over the past years. Now, I brought several Bibles with me. That's why I brought this TV tray up here. Um, I brought several Bibles with me that I wanted to share with you. And they kind of represent the stages of my growth in faith. Okay, my faith in Christianity. Right, the first is a children's Bible. Right? This isn't actually mine, this Bible. This wasn't the Bible I used many, many, many years ago. Um, this I got out of the library, but I had one just, just like it. Okay, and maybe you had one just like it too. If you grew up in church, if you went to Sunday school, you had a children's Bible. Now, when I was a child and I had my children's Bible, you know, the Bible, what I knew of it at least, Right, it was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? The stories were simple. It was obvious who the good guys and the bad guys were in Scripture. And the lessons were pretty clear. The only challenge was, was, what I, gonna, was I going to obey it or not, really, at that age? Okay, then, here's my young adult Bible. Right, this is the Ryrie Study Bible. It's a new international version. It's pretty beat up. I got tape over here on the binding. Uh, I love this Bible. It was given to me by, my, by some friends when I was in college. Um, you know, you can see that this Bible is, is thicker, well, a little bit thicker than the children's Bible. Okay, a lot more pages, a lot more words, not as many pictures. Right? You know you stepped up in weight class when you have fewer pictures in your books. Good study notes made with 
fine Spanish bonded leather. Right? It was a, it's a good Bible. And I used it for everything. I used it for church, for retreats, for Bible study, for my devotions. And the pages are falling out. Right? Um, and I used this Bible a lot for many years. You know, during this period of my life, though, I began to understand more of God's Word and its implications for me. And I also learned how complicated Scripture can be, how there are many things I read that I didn't understand. I also discovered that many people around me, as I went to college, as I went into the workplace, many people did not care about the Bible. They didn't believe in it. It meant very little to them. Right? And it gave me pause. It made me think, why do I believe in it? What do I find in the Bible important for me as I get older? And so at times I struggled with the authority and the power of Scripture in my life. Okay, now this is the Bible I use today. Right? You could say I've downsized in my old age. Right? Smaller, thinner, it's just easy to carry around. Um, but I can't tell you, I don't know how I could live without my Bible. Not just, you know, not just this Bible, right, but the Bible. I don't know how I could live without it. There's still plenty of things I don't read. I mean, I don't read. There's still plenty of things I read that I don't understand, which I'm sure is what you want to hear from your pastor. <laughs> um, and there's things I can't fully explain. But the help, the peace, the wisdom, the guidance that comes through God's word, right? The things I so dearly need on a daily basis in this crazy world, right? I find here in scripture. I find it in God's word and I find it in communion with God. Now, if you don't have a Bible, right? That's where I started. Like, do you have a Bible? And if you don't have a Bible, there's no shame in that. Right? You may be like many today who grew up in a home that never had a Bible. Maybe you came from a different religious background. Right? We have plenty of Bibles here in our church. We have one under the chairs that you sit in, and they're free for you to take. We have some at Connection Central. We have some in our church library, and they're all free to take for you to take and have your own Bible to read and to meditate on. Now, I share a little bit of my faith, my, my, my faith journey with my Bible so that you can kind of place yourself in the story. Where are you with respect to God's word in your life? Are you in a place of trust and obedience to his word? Or are you maybe in a place of doubt and skepticism? And you really don't know if it's true. You really don't know if it's relevant to life today. Or maybe it's ambivalence. Right? Many people are ambivalent about the Bible. They want it in their lives, or they want God in their lives, or they want the blessing of God, but they don't read his word. You know, this morning we're going to discuss the importance of God's word and the power, the power that comes with studying God's word together. And so if you do have your Bibles or a device, and it'll be on the screen, 
ask you to turn to 1 Peter with me. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'll, re- I'll be reading assorted verses. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. God's word says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who, is, he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands, endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning. Lord, as we open your word, we honor you, we worship you. We pray that you would impart your voice, your word, Uh, your thoughts to us, Lord. And uh, may you speak to us wherever we're at, Lord. Help us along this journey to grow in our faith, to grow in our trust in you, and to grow in our love for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here in 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter is writing to believers in churches throughout the Roman Empire. And for what I understand, most of these places are what is now present-day Turkey. And we see this in verse 1 where he says, To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. See, these were new churches filled with new converts to Christianity. They're like, like church plants that we see popping up, right, in different neighborhoods. And for the most part, these people were Gentiles. Right, which just means they weren't from Jewish heritage. They were Gentiles who did not grow up in Jewish homes and were unfamiliar with the ways of God, the ways of Yahweh. They had grown up in a pagan culture, right? but they found salvation in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So they were young in their faith. On top of this, if you know this book of 1 Peter, they were experiencing persecution. Hostility against the faith 
the faith as the culture around them scorned the idea that Jesus was Lord, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so Peter urges them in this book to remain faithful to Jesus. How does he do this? What does he say? He says, by staying strong in the truth of God's word. So I think it's important to recognize, just as I explained this background, that Peter's letter here is directed not so much to individuals, you and me and our own personal faith, which it does apply to, but he's writing to churches. He's writing to bodies of believers that live in the midst of an unbelieving world. Now, doesn't this kind of describe us today? Isn't this kind of our situation here as we come and worship and the world is out there doing what it does? Right? Let me ask you, did, do you come from a long Christian heritage where your parents, your grandparents, and their parents loved the Lord and taught you what it means to be a believer? Did you grow up in a house where all the generations honored God's word and studied it and prayed over it so that you're well-versed in the ways of God. Right? Some of you may have. I know some of you have. And that's such a blessing. Right? I sure didn't. I would guess that, like the people Peter is writing to, many of you have come from unbelieving backgrounds that Jesus wasn't worshipped in your home when you grew up. Right? You didn't go to Sunday school or church camp or VBS. And you're here today. You're only here because of God's incredible grace and his mercy to you and his loving hand that reached out and got a hold of your heart. And he filled you with his Holy Spirit. So we've been brought together, right, from all kinds of different backgrounds as one body, brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're not spiritually mature as we want to be, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? In fact, many of us are still young in the faith, or we're still seeking to understand what Christianity is all about. Like the churches here in 1 Peter, we live in a world where the enemy's influence is strong and God is often set aside. So the big question is for us this morning is how do we learn to live as followers of Jesus in such a world? How do we keep moving forward in our faith? How do we hold on to our faith? And Peter tells us we learn by staying firm in the truth of God's word. And we do it together. So how exactly does God's word bring us together? Let me give you several things. The first, God's word, it reminds us of where we came from. If you know of scripture, you see this takes place in scripture often. It reminds us of where we came from. Peter says in verse 14, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In verse 18, he tells them, Remember that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors. 
See, Peter is reminding these new converts that at one time, they walked in darkness. Right, look at the words he uses in just these couple of verses. Evil, ignorant, empty. And it's not simply because they were Gentiles, but because they, like all of us, were born into sin. Right, to keep us re- returning to our old way of life. And I think you know, it's all different for each of us, but we know what that was like. To keep us returning there, the Bible reminds us of where we came from. We weren't born children of light. Our natural inclination has always been to sin and to rebel against our Creator. Now, some of you have long since repented. Praise God, have long since repented of of those days. And God has brought you into the light. But we need His Word. We need to be reminded to be grounded in our faith of where we came from. Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. See, you didn't seek God. I didn't seek God. The person sitting next to you didn't seek God. He sought us. Scripture brings us together because it puts us all in the same boat. With one another. And then it explains that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Not by anything we've done, only by his blood shed on the cross. Amen? This is the good news of God's word, which we constantly need to be reminded of. I love verse 23 in this passage, which says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. See, the Word of God is that seed. Right? We learned that in the last sermon series about the parables. Right? The Word of God is that seed, that imperishable seed, which brings forth new life. And we constantly need to go back to it. So the Word, it reminds us of where we came from. Second, God's Word, it gives us hope for the future. In verse 13, Peter says, With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. See, God's word gives us a common vision, us together, a common vision for the future. The hope of Jesus' return when God's power and glory will be seen and evident to all. Later on in verse 21, Peter reminds them that God raised Christ from the dead, and so their faith and hope are in God. And he wants to encourage them in the face of persecution, in the face of hostility, in the face of unbelief. See, you and I, we need the constant input of God's word to withstand the onslaught of a godless culture. We see it in our schools. We see it in public life. We see it in our workplace. We see it in the media. A culture that not only doesn't agree with us, but actively tries to stifle our faith. It's a culture full of idols, 
full of preoccupations, full of worldly and material desires that resist any knowledge of the one who created them and belief in the son who died for them. See, if we don't study God's word and together receive the reassurance of our salvation that Jesus is who he says he is, that his kingdom is coming, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, then, beloved, our faith will waver. Our doubts and questions will rise because the voices of this world are too loud. When we study God's word together, we should be working through our doubts and our questions. It's not wrong to have doubts and questions. Faith is not super simple, especially as we get older. So when I grew up in my faith, as I got older and moved on from the children's Bible right, to the young adult Bible, I'll call it that, right, I had to deal with my doubts and my questions as life got bigger and more complex. Right, we all do. Bible study, the study of God's word, brings us closer together because we wrestle with God's truth together. Like Jacob wrestled with the angel. And you know what it does? It refines us. It strengthens our convictions. It helps us to understand why we believe in the first place. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. See, handling the word of truth, right, it, it means to divide it and to cut it straight and to understand it clearly and to, to obey it. Our faith and hope is in God and his word. Peter says that all people are like grass and their glory like the flowers. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So it reminds us where we came from. It gives us a hope for the future. And third, God's word brings us together because it informs us how we are to live today. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, referring back to my children's Bible phase days, <laughs> right, I didn't fully understand then what it meant to be a Christian. Right? How could I? How could you as a child not knowing Right, what life as an adult is like. But as I got older and studied God's word with others, I discovered what it means to follow Jesus in my adult life. See, God uses his word, as, as Timothy says, God, Paul's words to, to Timothy, God uses his words to teach us and to train us. Peter says in verse 16, Be holy, for God is holy. Right? What does that mean? He means imitatio Dei. Imitatio Dei is Latin for imitate God, walk in his likeness. 
But still, what does that mean? See, we won't really know what God looks like and how we're to imitate him unless we have encountered him in his word. While scripture reminds us of the past and gives us a hope for the future, it also informs our lives today. Evangelist Jack Ritson puts it this way, you can't do the will of God if you don't know the word of God. In verse 22, Peter says, love one another deeply. And then in chapter 2, he says, rid yourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. See, these things should not be part of the church, not part of our body of fellowship. God desires unity among us, not division. So our fellowship with one another is to be marked by love and compassion. Then in verse 2, he tells the churches, like newborn babies, and how appropriate it was for child dedication and to see Sierra Summer dedicated to the Lord. But he speaks to new believers. He speaks to those of us, Lord, those of us who seek to follow him. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. See, that milk which we constantly feed on is the word of God. Peter is talking about the word of God. As individuals, but also as a church, we will be stunted in our growth if we don't feed on the word of God. God gives us instruction on what to do here in his word Now the only question is, will we do it? See, when we think about the power of together as a church, God's word should be at the center of that. It reminds us of where we came from. It gives us hope for the future. And it informs us on how we're to live today. But in the end, In the end, none of these things are the main reason for studying God's word. The main reason, the real value, is to have an encounter with Christ. The Bible is not information. The Bible is revelation. It's a revelation about who God is and what he's doing. It's not about a plan of salvation as much as it is about the man of salvation and who we are to humble ourselves and submit to. And I believe if we open our hearts to the words of Scripture and we do this together, God will reveal himself to us and he will become stronger and stronger in our lives and in our hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. So just here as we wrap up the message, I just, I'm going to do something a little different. Um, I want to close our time by reading God's word together. Just two simple verses. And I want to invite the worship team to go ahead and come up. And um, I'd like to invite the congregation to stand.
if you're able. Please stand as we read God's word. And these, these two verses are also from this passage. They're from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And these are Peter's words of encouragement to these churches, to these bodies of believers, right, who need strengthening, who need encouraging, who need the word of God in their lives, and who face persecution in the world. Right? And this is Peter's encouragement to the church. And I've changed the you to we, right, and the you to us as we read God's word together. Let's, let's read aloud and together. But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy,